Morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School's the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. And it is a wonderful thing to win. <laughs> it is a great, sure beats the other thing. Uh, overcoming instead of being overcome. Being a victor instead of a victim. And as we were looking at yesterday, yesterday's class, um, so much of it is a choice. Even though folks don't think so, it is. Because it's, it's our choice what we look at, what we think about, what we choose to believe or not believe, what we choose to say. The Lord has actually put a whole lot of this thing in our hands. And uh, you can't say, well, Lord, I'm just going to leave it up to you. But you can't leave up to him what he left up to you. He's not taking it back. <laughs> he, he left it to you, the choice to you and I. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, he wants us to develop. He wants us to grow up. He's got big plans for us that require us to, to have some faith and to know some things. So... Um, uh, if you hadn't started on it before, we can start on it right now. Get your Bible, get something to make a note with, turn everything else off so that you're not distracted, and give the Lord your full attention. This, this is not a long segment, just a few minutes here. Give Him your full attention for this time. Father, all of us agree together as touching this, asking for uh, enlightenment and the anointing and that you'd open the scriptures to us and that uh, your truth and light would fill us and push out any darkness and ignorance and confusion. We ask it, we thank you for it, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Look in 1 Corinthians 10 again, please, in uh, one of our main texts for this series that we're calling Overcoming Unbelief. 1 Corinthians 10 uh, talks about the Israelites that God brought out of Egyptian bondage and he, he describes their journeys and about how that they came under the cloud and through the sea and they ate the same spiritual food and this is talking about manna, manna and they drank from the same spiritual drink and that was water that came out of the rock. And he says that rock was Christ. Every one of those things that happened to them, it is history, it is accurate, but it's more than that. It's the inspired Word of God. And it is uh, beautiful types of Christ. The, uh, they were all, you know, uh, starving of thirst. And uh, the Lord caused water to gush out of the rock. <laughs> Miraculous. 
enough to uh, satiate the thirst of two million people and all their livestock. And everybody was, you know, satisfied. Well, that's a picture of Christ. Without God, the world is uh, dying of thirst. And the, the waters of life, life come out of Christ. Hallelujah. And you can come to the living waters and you can drink your fill. Hallelujah. Without money, without price, the prophet said. And so that, that's what he's saying all through this passage, that everything that happened to them is a graphic portrayal of redemptive reality. And he's saying we need to know these things. He said, verse 5, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. They were overthrown in the wilderness. They didn't make it. They didn't enjoy the plan and provision of God. He said, don't be idolaters. Don't lust after evil things. Don't commit fornication. Don't tempt Christ like they did. Verse 10, neither murmur you don't you murmur, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, all these things happen to them for examples, and they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Now, you, you hear the word test or prove, or here's the word temptation, and which includes the same idea. Uh, they tried to test God, and try, they tempted God, and thought they were testing Him, I guess, but they were the ones being tested and failing the test. And here he says there, ha there is no temptation, there is no test, there is no trial happen to you or can happen to you, but such as is common to man. The enemy will try to tell you you're dealing with things nobody else has ever dealt with. That's a lie. That's right, it's common, according to this. And, but God is faithful. Somebody say, God is faithful. God is faithful. faithful to what? He won't allow you. He won't permit it to happen for you to be tested, tempted, tried beyond what you can resist and pass. There is no test you cannot pass. None. There's no, and every challenge is another opportunity to demonstrate your faith in God. And when it talks about them being proved, which we're going to see that language in these accounts, it wasn't so that they could be proved and shown that to have failed. That wasn't God's intent. We're going to see the scripture that says otherwise. He wanted them to pass the tests, prove so they could be approved. Pass the test so they could be promoted. So that they could go up higher. That's always God's intent. And, and James talks about, you know, uh, don't let anybody say when you're tempted to do wrong that you were tempted of God. That's not true. He said God can't be tempted with evil. And he doesn't tempt anybody you know, with evil to do wrong. So you want to you separate the idea of being tempted to do something wrong versus 
an opportunity which tests and tries your faith to demonstrate faith in God. Not, you know, God's not rooting for you to fail. <laughs> He's wanting you to succeed, right? So then he has a right, a right, perfect right to do things for you that he is not doing for most people on the planet. But it wouldn't be fair for him to do that unless you were willing to do things in trusting him and listening to him that other people are not. Because he, he is so fair. He is completely just. No temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. God's faithfully won't allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the test, the temptation, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear. It is, is in italics. It's not in the, in the text. But that you may be able to overcome, that you may be able to deal with it and, and triumph. Go back with me, if you would, to Exodus again, this 16th chapter. And we've looked at, at two of these already in the 10, the account of the 10 times they, they failed the test. The first one was at the Red Sea. They yielded to fear. They murmured against God and Moses. And he delivered them anyway, <laughs> just because of his mercy and to make his power known. We're still talking about the splitting of the Red Sea. That was the first one. The second one is at the end of the 15th chapter when you know they, they came to Marah and they couldn't drink the waters. And verse 24, the people murmured against Moses, more murmuring. The Lord had mercy on them again and showed Moses what to do and the bitter waters were made sweet. But they have now failed uh, two major opportunities to demonstrate some faith and they demonstrated none. And what we learn about unbelief is that it's fearful, it's disrespectful, it's blaming and complaining and looking back. And so according to 1 Corinthians 10, we, we need to not uh, let this get by us and be on the watch for these things. So what are we on the watch for? Fear. Y'all with me, class? You will be tested on this material. <laughs> Not just by me, but in life. <laughs> what, what should we be on the watch for? Fear. fear. Do I have to fear? I do not. I can resist it instead of yield to it. And disrespect and unthankfulness. Did you hear how they talked to Moses? And how they talked about God? And how they talked about... God, had, God has gotten them out of slavery. <laughs> After hundreds of years, their parents had never been free. Their grandparents had never been free. They're free. They're healed. They got money in their pockets on their way to the promised land. Is this something to be thankful for? But that was all out the window. Not one bit of thanksgiving for that. Just fear, just panic and murmuring and complaining. We're all going to die out here. Unbelief talks death. It talks destruction. It talks failure. Faith does not. Faith talks life. It talks victory. It talks overcoming. Amen? And it's a choice. It's always a choice. It's your mouth. Who's running it? Right? <laughs> so uh, anyway, the Lord had mercy on them. 
made the bitter water sweet, revealed himself there as the Lord, the great physician, the healer. And verse 27, they came to Elam where there were 12 wells of water and three score and 10 palm trees and they encamped there by the waters. How did they find an oasis <laughs> in the desert? They didn't. God led them to it. 12 fountains of water, 70 palm trees, beautiful oasis. God just led them right into it and they had a little vacay. <laughs> they had a little time of rest. But eventually it's time to keep moving. Why? Because they're supposed to be headed to Canaan land. In chapter 16, they took their journey from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Zin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. So this is just two months after they left. In verse 2, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. How are they doing, class? How are they doing? Not good at all. Did they learn anything after murmuring at the Red Sea? Not a thing. Then they murmured again at the waters of Merah. Now let, let me back up a little bit. What happened at the Red Sea? There really was nothing for them to fear. God delivered them. Class, are you all awake? Yes. From God's perspective, were they ever in danger of being destroyed by Pharaoh's army? Never. Now they didn't know it. They couldn't see it. But that's where faith comes in. Hmm? And this time, Mara, you'll see following times. We, we, we got the perspective to look back and see the whole journey. Were they ever really in danger of dying from thirst? Never. God knew how he was going to take care of them. Right? They could have never imagined that they were going to be given water out of a rock. But God knew, and they were never in danger of dying of thirst. They were never in danger of starving to death. They were never in danger of being killed by the giants in the promised land. Never. Wasn't it with God? It wasn't even close. Right? It wasn't even tight. He knew what he was going to do. Right? But they couldn't see it. They didn't know it. You know what they were in mortal peril, danger of? Their own unbelief. Class, are you all away? Huh? What did kill them? Wasn't starving from water or food. Wasn't the Egyptians. Wasn't the giants. What did kill them? What did completely rob their life? Their own unbelief. Unbelief is perhaps the worst thing that could ever happen to a person in this life. I know that's a giant statement, but unbelief is what sends people to hell. It's not their sin. It's not, it's not lying, stealing, not even murder that's sending people to hell. Why? Because Jesus took those sins. He paid the price for murder. Did he or not? He paid the price for all those things and, and even the, the most heinous of sins. You can be forgiven of. 
and cleansed. If, if you will believe. If you'll believe it and if you'll receive it. But if you refuse to believe, you'll be lost. If you refuse to believe, you put yourself in a place where God himself can't help you. And wouldn't that be about the worst thing that could happen to a human being? What do you mean God couldn't help you? He's not going to break his word. He's not going to violate his own word. He's not going to override your will and force you to do it. So he can't do it without breaking his word. He's not going to do that. He's got the power to do it, but he's not going to break his word. Aren't you glad you decided to believe? Huh? How many in here is glad you decided? Hmm? I'm not going to put myself in a place where God can't help me. I want to be in the place where God can easily help me. I want to work with him. Huh? So pray a prayer. Say, Father God, Father God I, I, want I want to be such that you find me easy to work with. <laughs> that I respond to you quickly, fully, not resist you, but yield to you. Show me how. Work in me to will and to do of what pleases you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. So here, um, they've seen God deliver them from the Red Sea. They're seeing things nobody in the history of the world's ever heard about or seen. And they, they've seen God provide for them. And an oasis out in the middle of the desert they just left. But every time there's another need, every time there's another challenge, they went back to their old ungodly griping and blaming and doubting. Why are we talking about this? Because the scripture warns us in Hebrews, in 1 Corinthians, other, warns us, don't do this. Why would he warn us not to do this unless there's a risk of you doing it? Oh, you don't have to go far. Church going people, you listen to folks talk. Listen to what they said. The whole congregation murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and this is what they said. Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. We sat by the flesh pots when we did eat bread to the full. You've brought us forth into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Let me read this to you from some, some other translations. Uh, I know you're not enjoying hearing some of this, but you, you need to not enjoy it. You need to get where you absolutely detest hearing this, which is why I'm going to keep reading it to you over and over again until you go, I don't like this. I don't like this. I'm going, exactly. So don't do it. <laughs> don't ever do it. <laughs> the NIV says, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and they said, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. By the Lord's hand? What are you talking about? Died by the Lord's hand? Back when in Egypt, you see this, that people have a pseudo-spiritual jargon. And they include God in things, imagining that it justifies somehow their situation. When the fact is, God is irritated with them referencing him <laughs> in the situation. So just because somebody's talking God doesn't mean God wants to hear it. Or it pleases him. They said, uh, 
We sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. You have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Are they complaining? Are they blaming? This is murmuring. The the New Living Translation says, We sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Were they ever in danger of starving to death? Not one time. God's the one brought them out. He had a plan to get them in. Is that right? Did he have a plan to take it? We see it. We've read the scripture. He had an astounding plan. Miraculous, amazing provision. But hear their language. You have brought us out here to starve us all to death. And this is going to come up again in another episode later. But they said, you know, man, we used to sit around, you know, pots filled with meat. And we had plenty of bread, you know, the good old slave days. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the good old old slave days. Somebody say, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Go to Ecclesiastes, the seventh chapter. Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, and verse 10. It says, do not say. When the Bible says don't say something, what should you do? Don't say it. What's he telling us don't say? This is the NIV, Ecclesiastes 7, 10. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? The good news says, never ask, oh, why were things so much better in the old days? You know, people often romanticize the past. And they have very selective memory, you know. Because when they get to going on, gushing about the good old days, they're not half as good as they're making them out to be. (laughs) And they're forgetting all kinds of things. These folks were slaves. Slaves. Think about what they're saying. Yeah, you know, work all day and all night and never get paid and Weekly beatings, good times. (laughs) Now we're laughing, but what are they saying? Do you remember how bad it got right before they got out? You know, they took away their their straw supplies and and still uh, required them to uh, get the same quota of brick production, which meant they're out half the night gathering straw uh, just to make the bricks. And when they didn't meet the quotas, they were beat, beaten. They don't own a house. They don't own the rags on their back. They are property to these Egyptians, just like a cow or a horse. And they are railing on the man who left everything and and followed God and put his life in his hand over and over, waltzing in to Pharaoh's court. (laughs) 
He's a wanted man. His picture is on the poster at the post office. <laughs> and he walks right in to Pharaoh's court and says, Jehovah says, let my people go. This man who has shown them love and wisdom and hadn't missed it yet. Everything he said God told him to do, God told him to do. And it worked out. They are disrespecting him. They are blaming him. You brought us out here to die. And man, it used to be so good. You know, we had pot roast. Pot roast. <laughs> God's already told them. Canaan's land, right over there. Huh? Houses you didn't build. Vineyards, orchards you didn't plant. Wells you didn't dig. Yours. Their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents never owned any property, never had a house. God has big plans for them. But he can't get them to cooperate with him. He, and, and sadly, he never could. He could never get them to agree with him. He says, I've got you a land picked out. I'm taking you there. It's going to be wonderful. And they said, we're all going to die in the wilderness. He goes, no, that's not what I said. Canaan's land, <laughs> good place. Let's go. They said, we're all going to die in the wilderness. And he would not override their choice. He wouldn't force them to believe and trust him. And so they got what they said. And they died in the wilderness. Somebody say it out loud. Say, by the grace of God, grace of God I am not doing that. Not doing that. <laughs> yeah, the Bible said, don't say, what's the reason that the former days are better than these? Uh, because in order to do that, you know what you got to do? Look back. Eventually, these folks got to the place where they said, let's ditch Moses and Aaron. We'll make us some new leaders and we'll go back to Egypt. That's what they did. Not many months after this. So make up your mind. Say it out loud. I'm not looking back. I mean, what's, what's back there? Good or bad or whatever. You can't relive, relive that. It's behind you. And, and the future is not going to be just like that. And you don't want it to be. God's got plans for it to be better. The path of the just is like the shining light that gets brighter and brighter and brighter. Forget about, say it out loud, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting. about the things that are behind. And I'm reaching toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. His plan for my life. His best for me. I'm on my way. I'm reaching for it. I refuse to look back. The best is ahead. My best days. My best times. Most glorious times are ahead of me. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's something God can work with. Something He can work well. Our time's up again today. But as you can see, uh, there are powerful lessons to be learned in these great examples. So come back tomorrow and we'll get some more. 
here at Faith School. I've got a victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390. 